0: You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity podcast season two, episode 17. In this episode, you will meet a very, very impressive young entrepreneur named Keia Majmandor. Kea burst on the business world scene about seven years ago when she was 19 years old and she appeared on one of the all-time most popular episodes of Shark Tank. And even after Kevin O'Leary, also known as Mr. Wonderful, tortured Kaya on her manufacturing costs, Mark Cuban was mumbling objections under his breath. And even after Barbara Corcoran said, Kaya, you're not an entrepreneur, Kaya stood her ground, she ended up getting a deal from Lori Greiner, and she's still standing and thriving. Ready to hear all about Kea's experience and what she's up to now? If so, let's get started. episode 17. And I have a story to tell you. So, I was watching Shark Tank reruns with Magnificent Meredith. This is something we probably do two, maybe three times a week, sometimes even more. In my paying job, my real job, in other words, not being a podcast host, I coach professional services executives on how to do a better job selling their services. So I regularly watch uh, Shark Tank, and I speak to the TV while I'm watching it. And I'm always saying things like, what's your value proposition? What problem are you solving? You need to have a better handle on your finances. Anyway, Magnificent Meredith and I were watching a Shark Tank rerun from Season 5. In fact, it was the Season 5 finale. And that is where we were introduced seven years later, to Kaya. Here's the short synopsis of why Kea inspired me. Kea's Shark Tank product was called BusyBox, and it was a packing and storage box that required no folding and no taping, just one, a one-piece fold that instantly opened into an entire box. Kaya was an incredibly impressive 19-year-old, at least she was to me. She had invented an innovative product. She was in command of the facts about her marketplace and about her manufacturing costs. But the sharks were not impressed. Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, said that her cost of manufacturing was way too high, and he predicted she wouldn't even sell a single box. Barbara Corcoran declared that Kea was not an entrepreneur. You could see the look on Kaia's face. She was getting rattled and really upset, but she gathered up her courage and practically begged Lori Griner into a deal. Lori did make a deal with her and Keia was an instant overnight success. So I'm going to leave the rest of that story for my discussion with Keia, including a discussion about her current business called SwayPay. Kea is the founder and CEO of SwayPay, which, in short summary, monetizes people's social media influence and much, much more. The thing is, for me, Kea was an inspiration, and that's why she's here today. She was an inspiration to me, even though she's like half my age. (laughs) She was an inspiration to me because of her ability to gather up her courage when she was about to be a flop on Shark Tank. She pushed and she got herself a Shark Tank deal with Lori. And she got me thinking about the Mediocrity podcast. I thought about how I've been mostly inviting my core group of friends, family, friends of friends to be my podcast guests. And because of Kea, I decided to begin reaching out to guests that I didn't know personally, but I really aspired to speak with. Kaya was my first and biggest reach to date. Much to my surprise, she said yes. So now, I'm off and running in terms of reaching out to a wider spectrum of guests, and I have Kaya to discuss her businesses with us today. So, without further delay, here is my conversation with Kaya Majmandar. So, Kaya, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Kaya, first of all, I I've told you when we spoke that that you're an inspiration to me, even though you're about half my age, Um, you're still an inspiration to me, and um, you're an impressive young entrepreneur. Um, before we get into your background and how you got to where you are today, which is quite a an incredible journey, um, I'd like to, to talk a little bit about your current business ventures and 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 what you're working on right now.
1: Awesome. So I am the founder of Swaypay currently. SwayPay is an, 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 Sway is an alternative payment method that plugs into any online retailer and allows shoppers to earn the best discounts. By splitting their payment in part dollars, part social media posts featuring their order directly at the point of sale. So the way it works is basically you go to a website, you see a hundred dollar t-shirt, you get this alternative option to with Sway Pay to plug in your Instagram handle, and it'll tell you, hey, you actually get 40% off today based off of your, your social influence if you promise to post an Instagram post featuring your order. After you receive the item, you check out with us, you get your discounted price up front, and then you get a window of time to make your post installment of your purchase, your Instagram post post installment. Um, and then you you do your post, you're good to go. You If you don't do your post, you're automatically charged the difference of the discount.
0: So you get the discount from the get-go, and then, and then you've got an obligation to post in order to keep the discount that you received.
1: Correct. It's very much in line with, you can imagine, you know, I think... Klarna, QuadPay, Afterpay have really paved the way for alternative payment methods. Um, we're using that kind of groundswell of demand from the end consumer of different alternative ways to pay in combination with what we believe to be a very, very ubiquitous form of capital that is present today that wasn't previously, which is social capital, um, really marrying the two worlds into a frictionless product um, at the point of sale.
0: And the level of discount is tied to your social influence. So the more followers, the more posts, the more things that you do, the, the greater the discount opportunities. Correct. Awesome. So, Kaya, there was a long and and what I, in in my research, a bit of a winding and, and scatterplot road to get here. So I know your story from when you were a teenager. So why don't you tell me where you see your story as having started?
1: Absolutely. So. Number one, daughter of two doctors. I'm Indian. Stereotype is very much true um, that you know we're essentially destined to be doctors. Right, and to down to the point of me actually dressing up as a doctor for several Halloweens in a row.
0: <laughs> well, we're, we're at Halloween season, so there exactly. you go. And now, we're all, now we're all wearing masks, so we all look like doctors. To we're all
1: doctors, exactly, right. yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, if, if there's any year where being a doctor for Halloween is, is very relevant, it's, it's this, this year. This is so the that's year, funny. correct. I mean, yeah, full circle. Uh, you know, went to college and was pre pre-med, was taking my pre-med classes, and actually accidentally stumbled into my first startup. Uh, our entrepreneurial venture, I'll call it. I don't know if you call it a startup mm-hmm. at that point, but I invented this collapsible storage box that didn't need assembly. And the inspiration behind it was a poor moving experience that I had with my roommate, where I was helping her move out and her boxes kept breaking. <laughs> and, yeah. and That's and because it was fun- you
0: probably needed half a roll of tape for every yeah. box, right.
1: Right. And and there was no tape, you know, right. we're the classic college students. We're, we're, you know, trying to creatively fold these things so we can evade the use of tape. Right. We right. don't want to pay for tape. So uh, that happened. I went home after college um, after that year um, at school. And over the summer, my sister was actually playing around with origami. And I was like, oh, interesting. I think you can implement an origami fold into cardboard boxes so that you can just kind of pop them open. You don't have to assemble them. You don't have to use tape. and. I played around with the box construction from Home Depot, putting an origami fold into it. And lo and behold, three months later, I'm on Shark Tank, you know, pitching this product. And if you can imagine, you know, I actually had, I did not know the lingo, did not know what I was going to get into. The only thing I knew was I had watched a couple of episodes or I'd watched actually every episode of the show to really study what I was about to get into. uh, Like the science, you know, and um, at the time I just had a prototype. And it was crazy because I actually didn't even, I met that prototype on set. I had no idea what I was getting into. I hadn't even seen the product that I was going to pitch. You Is know, that just, true? Yeah. So just to give you a little context okay. there, you know, by the means, I met it completely on set, played around with it for the first time when I was pitching the Sharks. And I actually, it was funny because um, the prototype and the, the whole stage actually broke when I was on the show. And there was this moment of, okay, we actually have to fix things and pause the, 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 the tape and, and redo this whole, this whole process. But it was a pretty crazy experience.
0: But the Shark Tank experiences, honestly, Kea, I've watched every episode of Shark Tank. So I've seen whatever, a thousand plus pitches on Shark Tank. And I can count on one hand the ones that like completely inspired me and yours did. And it inspired me because I thought you were incredibly poised. You were getting tortured. Yeah. I mean, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, like, yes. if it's not 50 whatever yes. of yes. junk. Yes. And Barbara Corcoran is like, and she's like, at least on TV, she seems like a nice lady. She's like, you're not an entrepreneur. And you're sitting there like, wait, I have won entrepreneurial contests. I I really have invented something unique here. And they're torturing you, and but you stood your ground you you talk, you talked to them about the cost of manufacturing you really you really impressed me, and then I could see I could read your face. it was almost like this holy shit i'm gonna i'm yes. is it gonna work
1: yes, then, yes but
0: then you went into desperation mode, but That's i view true. it I view it as poised as desperation mode, and uh you got to deal with Lori. so um Tell me a little bit about how it felt to be you at that moment.
1: So it's funny because I think, you know, I was 19, right? right? And at 19, and when you're that young, I mean, I think this episode, by the way, has been the number one most syndicated episode, I think, of all time. It's in the top 10 highest rated episodes of all time, specifically because of my, my yeah, segment. I and, didn't know and that. actually, Yeah. And that's actually why they saved it as a season finale because they typically bookend, right, the the seasons with the most popular, what they believe are going to be the most popular episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it'll either be the season premiere and the finale will be the best episodes. Um, I think the reason, you know, I went into desperation mode, right, you know, as you call it, whatever, is, is when you're a kid, you know, you don't really know the line between, um, I guess you can call it, where do you stop? Like, where is the kind of line at all? You just don't even know actually there is a line. And when I went into that experience, um, quite frankly, I had no clue what I was doing. All I knew was that I couldn't walk out without a deal. And I, I just, I I couldn't, I wasn't going to walk out with a deal and and I, without a deal. And I told my dad too, as I was walking into the tank said, you're going to have to drag me from the set. And it was funny because it actually didn't even occur to me how, how one gets a deal. What do I even have to say to get a deal? It was literally just whatever came to me. And like I said, it was a prototype. I, I didn't know the lingo. I didn't actually know anything about manufacturing. I didn't know, I literally knew nothing. And so it became more of an emotional moment, right? Where it was just bet on me, you know, forget about what, what the product is, just bet on me. And that was the, the leg I could stand on. And my, my family actually, some, some of my family members had that same reaction, extended family of like, Kaya, you were begging. I would never beg to save my life. And I'm like, I think you would. I mean, you know, every, every teenager, come on, like what teenager isn't begging for something all the time, whether it's a dog or a car, I was begging for a deal. So, you know. And
0: I, I, I don't criticize that at all. And um so there are a couple of things that I've I've read about you. Um, one is that um you got a deal with Lori, but but the deal like that you see on TV isn't exactly how it actually played out. So so did th- that that venture, tell me a little bit about what happened. Did Lori have a role in it? Just just to quickly, because I want them
1: sure. to So Lori actually did show me the ropes of how do you source this thing? How do you get the branding on it? How are you going to get it into retail stores? And I actually ended up doing all of it. So it's funny because no one, you know, this was back in 2015 and social wasn't as big and getting products into retail stores wasn't as cool. And so there's not much of a trail on it, but uh, funny enough, I just, I literally just sold my last shipment by the way of my boxes is really funny. Yeah. Literally just now. Um, But We ended up, I was, was, you know, sophomore in college. I stayed in college. I distributed the product primarily in the Southeast because that's where I was and that's how I could do it. Um, You know, at various retail stores, learned a ton through the process. And, you know, what I really kind of realized was I was actually pretty product agnostic. I didn't really care what product I was selling. It was really more about the process for me. And I think Mm -hmm. that was the unlock that I had from that entire experience.
0: So... You had that experience. You had the experience uh, of desperation. You had the experience uh, of getting exposed to Lori and learning a little bit about about manufacturing and and distribution. Um, and then after that, see, this is this is where. So I'm I'm an accountant by training. So I'm trying to, to create a spreadsheet of Kaya's career. And, and I failed miserably because you were involved after Shark Tank, you were involved in a number of different business ventures. You became an employee for a while. You stalked Beyonce for a while. Um, you did a lot of cool things. So tell me a little bit about um, just kind of your journey from the Shark Tank experience to where you are today with Sway Pay.
1: Sure. So... So let me just start off, you know, the the flame got started when my episode aired and all of a sudden, you know, a combination of Barbara telling me I wasn't an entrepreneur and a combination of my desperation and, you know, seeing an odd kind of looking human being up on stage with great contacts, I, you know, got this massive whirlwind of virality on Twitter. And Facebook and Instagram. And all of a sudden I became a number one trend overnight actually on Twitter. And it was all, it was all started when they, they, they published a meme of Barbara telling me I wasn't an entrepreneur. And then that got circulated and it just became massive. And then over the overnight I had haters and lovers and everything in between. And I had, you know staples in my inbox and I was like what in the world like how can this happen overnight I brought a prototype on set I begged for a deal I have I have nothing to my name except for this idea and yet I have a massive retailer demanding my product and so after that happened and after I graduated college and I had this kind of experience of okay distributing this product um, through retail stores what I actually realized was there would be like truly magic if I could bottle this experience up and, and unleash it on really any product, you know, going back to me being really a product agnostic. So what I really became more obsessive of was after graduating was how can I go and replicate what I was calling the shark tank effect. Mm-hmm. And I don't even care what product I'm selling. I'm just going to try to go and, and, you know, get viral sensations behind products over and over again. So that led me through after three years after graduating college four four three three years after graduating college, I decided to actually go partner with a bunch of celebrities and influencers. And I said, Hey, I was on Shark Tank. I know how to build, source, manufacture, get products out there from what Lori taught me and what Shark Tank taught me. And you can be kind of the marketing, you know, mouthpieces to my brands or to these products. And we essentially co-create these products and you market them. I do the rest. Right. And did this for three years, I did this with, you know, and this was this was the part where I would was chasing down Beyonce because I was like, I want to find every, any and every celebrity who would be willing to build a product with me. So mm-hmm. people I, I failed at Beyonce, people yep. that I succeeded at uh, were Derek Rose, Steve Harvey, um, Manny the Frenchie, a f- famous French bulldog, Quay, who's a big Instagram influencer, Lala, another big, you know, Instagram yep. influencer in the list yep. kind of goes on. And I built a bunch of these products. And the way that I would sell them was leveraging, you know, these guys as the marketing kind of mouthpieces. And then also just really figuring out how to most effectively leverage social media to drive all of the sales, like completely Mm -hmm. social-based.
0: Yep. Yep. And so can you pick out free sway pay? What, what was your, what was your um, experience uh, or uh, venture that you were most proud of?
1: The brand that I built with Derek Rose yeah. really was just kind of blew my mind in terms of how powerful, you know, you can, I mean, once is, what did I say? Do it, do it once. It's a, it's kind of luck. Do it twice. And it's like, you're really onto something. And right. I really didn't think that I would, I would be able to get anywhere near the viral sensation that I did with Shark Tank. Um, and I, I actually did, Derek was not the second one that I did, right? I had done a, a few other brands in between. They did like not great, good, but not great. When I went, you know, and that's a whole thing of how how I even got Derek to, to build a company with me, you know, and, and sell product with me. But that one was just unreal. You know, we launched this product and then I had no idea that he had, done anything with it. Um, until the next morning I got, you know, back-to-back calls from TMZ and, you know, all of these outlets that was just like, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Mind blowing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you are obviously incredibly high energy. You have a lot of drive, um, with energy and drive. In my experience comes a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you manage living in the stressful world of a high energy entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, and I'll take it, you know, another next step is actually I'm a, I'm an extremist. <laughs> so when you see the high energy, it's it's extremely high energy and you get to the point where I'm I'm hitting a wall, you know? And it just um that happens quite frequently cuz if okay. you're in you're, if you're if you're draining your if you're operating at high energy nonstop then obviously you're draining your battery all the time. Right. And for me, um the high energy and extremist nature carries through in anything I do. Okay. So that also comes to uh you know physical fitness and mm-hmm. you know that's kind of how I de-stress uh is by actually taking my my body. So if my mentally I'm I'm kind of always on alert, but you know physically I'll also go and really test the extremes of where I can go. And that's kind of a bit of a de-stress or at least balances out my, my mental energy. So, um, I want to say, you know, every other day I do the, what I call death sprints, uh-huh. which, uh, sprinting at 10 and a half miles an hour or 11 miles an hour. Um, I think 10 to 15 times or until I can't sprint anymore. Yep. Uh, of kind of like one minute sprints. And then I also do pretty intense weightlifting, but really just goes to, um, you know, true, like true through and through extremist and finding that unwinding for me can't be me sitting on a couch and drinking tea. Right. Um, but it can be exercising my extremist nature in, in different areas of interest, like, you know, physical, like physicality sports.
0: That's fair. Um, so do you work, do you work out every day?
1: Yeah, I think I'll, I'll take maybe, maybe one to two days off possibly, but, but yeah.
0: And do you, what about diet? Are you, are you focused on diet? Or are you, are you able to just eat whatever you eat because you're running and burning everything off? <laughs>
1: I'm a huge um, diet kind of fanatic. I'm actually, I, I'm, I love vegetables. I I think I'm addicted to kale. Actually,
0: uh huh. Oh, that's a good thing to be addicted to. Right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> a little weird. Everyone thinks it's a little weird, but I I really love. I kale. wish
0: I was addicted to kale and not cookies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, my my dad tells me you you need to stop eating so much kale because you can't actually digest it.
0: It's hard to digest. So yet.
1: Yeah. yeah, it wrecks your gut. Um, and so I've had to kind of pair back on that. I mean, I, I do indulge like chocolate chip cookies are my favorite. I, um, I do indulge quite a bit and I, but I, I eat a ton of vegetables mainly cause I like it. And I think it keeps me performing at a high level. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty rigorous about my diet, I would say.
0: So, um, I'd like to hear, so before I, before I bring you back to, to Swaype, um, you've learned a lifetime of entrepreneurial and life lessons and you're only 27 years old. Um, I'd like you to share with, with me, you know, two or three of the most valuable lessons for someone who's like, I wish I could start my own business or I wish I, I was more successful in the venture that, that I'd like, you know, I'd like to, to get, you know, kay's take on the two or three best lessons that anyone can kind of take from you and apply to themselves?
1: So the first one and the most important one is gonna be a little bit, it's gonna sound a little weird, um, but number one, do not start a company unless you absolutely have to, like unless you're compelled to, right? It's a compulsion and it's actually, I would even go so far as to say that starting a company is a little bit of an affliction to a degree, um in that just like any other addiction it has its upsides but then it, al- it also has its downsides right and it really just goes to my extremist nature as well um it it's it's good in many ways but also really bad in many ways and so if you know if someone when whenever someone comes to me and says should I start a company the number one thing is i i ask him is do you have to start this company because there are actually a lot of ways to um to realize your dream or or whatever it is that you're trying to do, solve whatever problem it is by going and learning, at least learning from someone else first. And that really just takes it back to, you know, when I did decide to go try having a job for a brief moment, I I mean, I realized it wasn't for me, learned a lot, but just realized it wasn't for me because I do have the compulsive need to, to, to be founding a company, but um, it, there is so, I mean, it it seemed, it's, it's lauded as this very sexy path, you know, and Shark Tank has a really big role in this. And then there's that hustle, hustle culture, but it's also extremely unhealthy in many ways. And when you're thinking about a holistic lifestyle that you might want to take, uh, I always say, you know, if you, if you want to own a company, you have to let it own you. And, you know, that's a serious thing of letting your company own you. Um, and that's, so, a, that's a big decision.
0: So that's your so that's how you define don't start a company unless you have to because if you have to it means it's like driving you. Yeah. and, and you have to let it drive you. Not just drive you to start it, but it has to drive your life.
1: own you. Like yeah, your company's going to run you. Yeah. So and that's not something that, you know, it's not something that it, it's an acquired taste. Yep. You know yep. uh, then you and then you know, it goes back to your question of how do you make it succeed? Well, chances are it's not going to. and you know that that's something that people recognize sure surface level, but the mental, emotional, and physical drain that you get um, from the ninety percent chance of it not working is, is more likely than not not really worth it for people unless you're so obsessive about it that you have to see it through anyway.
0: Well, it's hard not to take it personally, right? I mean, at the end of the day, um, you, you are your company. Your company is you when you're an entrepreneur. And, and when it doesn't work out the way you, way you expect it to, which, as you said, 90% of the time, that's what's going to happen, it's hard not to, to really take a beating personally and mentally. Um, and I think that's what you're saying. Like, You have to be able to stand up to that because you could really get yourself into the doldrums when it doesn't go the way you want it to.
1: Exactly. And, and, you know, that's actually, I would almost argue that starting a company is the last path you should take. It's the last, it's when you're exhausting, it's the last path that you go down. If you absolutely can't do anything else. So
0: let's say, so let's say, so let's say you're one of these people. We've got a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are everything from uh, artisans to, um, uh, trainers, there, there are a lot of, of of sole proprietors out there, and, and perhaps um, perhaps they're just doing their own thing. So it's not maybe not a big business. Maybe it's selling their own services. Once you're in it, you're in it, right? It's hard to get out of it. Um, I, I think of a lot of people who are um, personal trainers or, or provide personal services, and that's what they do. But I, a lot of them say. I, need, I wish I could do more with what I do. What's your advice to them? They're already so would, in it.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say the flip side of, you know, my first rec, uh, point is the second point is no decision is irrever- uh, irreversible. So when you're talking about, okay, you, you, you decide you actually do want to go down this path and start a company and, you know, starting this company means something as small as you're a freelancer and you're a trainer and you want to find some clients, right? And then you find yourself in a rut. Kind of realizing that oh I shouldn't have gone down this path. It's always reversible, you know. Starting a company, it's almost like I mean, it's not as okay. I, I, it's not as easy, right? It's kind of like consuming calories. Consuming a hundred calories is a lot easier than burning five, 100 calories, but it can be done. And so you can you can wind yourself out of the business if you decide to do that. If you decide you're you're a personal trainer and you you know you're really actually better off going to a larger gym. And you you bring your clients with you, right? Nothing is irreversible. So in that sense, like the risk of starting a company is not, it's not that high because when you do fail, if you do fail, there's always a um you can always backpedal out of it. Um I would say to those people though who, who are in a rut, one of the things that I admire the most about Jeff Bezos is his what we what he calls his day one mentality. And he yep. says, you know, every single day is day one. The minute we get to day two, we're in danger zone. And and you're on the brink of failure. And the idea there is that every single day, and this just goes back to why startups are so exhausting, is that if you have to treat every single day, like it's the first day of the company, um, for fear of if you don't, if it's day, if it becomes day two, you're going to die. You can just imagine the weight that that carries. But, you know, it also just goes to show that Every day is day one. You know, you're always kind of reinventing, reinventing yourself. You're always having to come up with new ways to grow the business and and get over any sort of plateau.
0: Well, you've made it sound awfully hard, K.O. What is it about being an entrepreneur and, and that that really excites you? And what excites you? So, what is what about it excites you? And B, where are you go? Where are you going next?
1: The I would say the best part of the entrepreneurial journey or experience is actually twofold. One is obviously when you see your product out in the wild, you know, used by someone who, you know, just even for you, right? Like when, you, when you're when you experiencing, now you've exhausted your first wave and your friends of friends and your friends of friends of friends, yeah. right? And now you actually talk to someone that you yourself went and got like completely out of scope. Yeah. That's pretty exciting, right? And, and seeing, for me, seeing someone wearing my product or using my product that I don't even know, I always remember that moment right yeah. of the first one that's really awesome uh the second thing is team so I'm in a situation right now where I have a team of five um, working on this company and it is the most you know gratifying thing to see smart people working towards this thing together and really trusting each other and leaning into each other and and actually failing together yeah. you know and it's it's a the camaraderie and and that that aspect of it is a really beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Um, so back, so back to Sway pay and back to Kaya. So what do you see Sway pay um, evolving into over the next, say, I mean, we're living in COVID world. So that, that, has got, I would think for a business like Sway pay, some good and bad. Um, so tell me a little bit about your hopes and dreams for Sway pay over the next 12 months. And then, then, your hopes and dreams for Kea beyond that.
1: So, SwayPay was actually crystallized out of my experience. You know, figuring out what are the best ways to leverage social to drive my to 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 grow my own e-commerce businesses. And what we found um, in the tail end of me building my own e-commerce businesses was, you know, using social traditionally involves two primary ways. The first way is running ads. Uh, and the second way is using influencers, both paths, um, are using middlemen to reach your customers. Right. Yep. And so essentially we started saying, okay, we're not, you know, okay, ads and influencers are great, but we're actually putting the power in you, you know, customers yep. is that you show us love, we'll show you love. Right. And we We built a manual program that was really successful for us, where we allowed we we turned social posts into a currency for our storefronts yep um it became such a huge driver of um of success for us that that's when I realized that okay, I can actually productize this product you know yep. and and start. Selling it to other e-commerce businesses, and so that was kind of the kernel came from this journey of building my own e-commerce businesses. Um, when I think about the vision for SwayPay and what we're trying to achieve here, I think it really just goes back to um, repatriating the value that is extracted currently from social platforms back yep. to the people who are actually creating the value on the social platforms, yep. and really talking about if you know if SwayPay to work were to work where, you know, people were using social posts as a currency, and you were essentially turning people into ad units, right? Yep. If you can imagine what kind of purchasing power, what kind of impact that can have on purchasing power, when you say, okay, um, forget Facebook, forget all this, you know, you're, you're, you're actually, brands are actually routing 40 to 60% of their revenue into marketing dollars. Yep. So if we can effectively become the conduit between the two parties yep. and build that synergy, then imagine how much can be passed off in savings to the customers. Um, so that's that's our larger kind of vision. What we're what we're working towards. We have had the privilege so far to be backed by some really really amazing investors. You know, so, you know one of our investors is Barclays. And they are putting serious weight behind us when it comes to, you know, uh, using us using kind of logo value or them putting us on their website or whatever it is. You know, our partnership yep. runs pretty deep and that's pretty exciting. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're chipping away at it day by day. I've never done a tech tech venture. Right. So this is kind of the, te- the first uh, first experience with that. But it is pretty exciting.
0: And this is where your energy is focused at the moment. If I was preparing a spreadsheet, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have five K points on the screen at the same time. This is this is your your sole effort at the moment, or do you have other ventures that you're percolating to marry with it?
1: No, this is it. And you know what's funny is, the minute you take venture capital, you're now married, right? So over the course of you, you can call it almost a maturation, personally and professionally, where for three or four years, I had no one tying me down to any particular thing because I was running my own show it was perfectly profitable dollar in $5 out, you know, buying fancy things and living kind of the high life at this point, I have, I'm accountable to my stakeholders. Right. And, you know, I, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm married at this point, at least for the next, you know, call it five to six years. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Well, I wish you nothing but success. I really, really appreciate you joining me on my podcast. I have to be honest with you. Um, You, I mean, I told you I watched a thousand episodes of Shark Tank and, and you inspired me like very few others have. And I'm a little bit disappointed that you had your share of haters after begging for a deal um, because you got a deal for goodness sake. And that was yeah. the objective. And um, I appreciate you joining me and sharing your story. And I and my Mediocrity podcast listeners will continue to follow you and follow Sway Pay as you move forward.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. All
0: right, Kaya. Take care. All right. So... Don't you think it's interesting that Kaya's advice was not to start your own business unless you have to? What do you think she meant by that? My interpretation was keying in on the words have to, that you have to need to start your business before you start your business. And I think have to is key because you have to be certain that your business calling, that your business idea is so strong and it drives you so much that you're prepared to allow it to drive your life. Because to be a successful entrepreneur, especially an entry-level entrepreneur, you need to devote a big chunk of your life to your business in order for it to be successful. Now, some people are driven to run 110 miles an hour all the time, and I think Keia is one of those people. But what I admire most about Kea is that she has certainly hit her fair share of bumps, roadblocks, mediocre moments, if you want to call it that, but she never gives up. She never gives up on her dreams, and she never gives up on herself. I'm also excited about exploring and following Kea's company, SwayPay. The concept of eliminating the middleman like a Google or a Facebook and giving money for promoting and buying products in the form of discounts and credits to shoppers and retailers makes a lot of sense to me in today's e commerce, social media driven world. Today, we already have people telling friends through social media about the things they buy and use. Sway Pay rewards shoppers for doing that. To me, it's fascinating and I'm going to be following Sway Pay's progress for sure. Thank you, Kaya for joining me. Thank you, Kaya for inspiring me and thank you everyone else for listening. And thank you for referring your friends and thank you for checking me out on Instagram and Facebook. And until next week, Please continue to stay safe and healthy, stay positive, keep smiling, and be well. Take care, everyone.